With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There is nothing wrong with your media player. Do not attempt to adjust the settings. I am now controlling the transmission. I control the recording and the editing. I can delude you with a thousand vulgarities or expand one mindfuck into crystal clarity and beyond. I can shape your listening experience into anything my imagination can conceive. I will control all that you think and hear. You are about to experience the awe and mystery reaches from the deepest inner mind to This Week in Geek's Outer Limits. Please stand by. What's going on? You are listening to the Nerd News Network. I'm one of your many hosts this evening. I am Mike the Birdman Dodd of ThisWeekInGeek.net and TerribleWarriors.com. But I'm not alone as I trek through the week, such as it was good news, bad news, news, reviews, and all the stuff you usually can't use. But I'm joined on my right with... Mr. Christopher, the one and only. And of course, on my left... Alex, the producer, figuring stuff out. With the cat. With the cat. I've got a, I've got a sidekick. Yep, you have a white cat, so very much like a fat version of Blofeld from uh, James Bond. With hair. With hair, yes, and no visible scarring that I can see. Correct. 
It's really not Maybe. much like him at all. Yeah, it's really not like Blofeld. Well, he is wearing the white shirt today. Okay. Well, that's something. Well, yes, and not the goofy-looking jumpsuit thing. Then again, where would you even get a goofy-looking Blofeld-type <laughs> jumpsuit? It's a very specific request. We'll have to look into that one. Yeah, if you had to buy villainy-type material, where do you get that sort of thing? If you know... Mike at thisweekingeek.net. I'm just kind of curious, actually. So anyway, we've got a lot of cool stuff to talk about this week. I'm going to give you my review of Cuphead, and I'm also going to give you my thoughts on Wizards of the Coast's Tomb of Annihilation, which came out a little while ago, a new supplement in adventure for Dungeons & Dragons, which we may be playing on the Cambridge Chronicles in Season 2, providing my players survive. We'll just have to wait and see and find out. Which, I guess that's something to kind of start the thing, uh, start the show off with. Alex usually has us go through the week and what we've been up to. Uh, me, Alex, and Tristan just launched a new podcast, which you can find over at TerribleWarriors.com. That is the Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition Cambridge Chronicles, which is us more or less relearning D&D 5th Edition. But also, well, some of us, it's learning, not just relearning. Yeah, yeah exactly. From absolute scratch for me. I have never played it before, and it's my first foray into actual tabletop pen and paper RPGs. And we've been playing for almost two months now. Holy shit. It's been a while, anyway. Um, yeah, the first episode had uh, Dave, AJ, and Alex on it. And then the following episode will have you and Lee, which... Hopefully, from a technical standpoint, really works out. I'm still worried about that, but that's neither here nor there. That's a little bit of behind-the-scenes info for you, because when we record, it was hotter than balls. I shall make magic happen. I trust you. I trust you very much so. But uh, speaking of that and Terrible Warriors, one final thing to talk about. Uh, we also record our annual Halloween special. Uh, for this, we did Call of Cthulhu. Uh, Justin did it in our first or second year for the show. He did uh, Call of Cthulhu. I think it was called Music of the Night. I did Call of Cthulhu, The Dread Child, which will come out just before Halloween. Justin's editing it uh, fairly soon. I just need to upload it to the server, so I'll probably do that tonight. Um, other than that, my week has been pretty much spent preparing for my birthday. I turned 36 on Friday, so... You old fuck. Pretty friggin' much. I am older than dog dirt now, so I'm hoping to get a really offensive ice cream cake for my birthday from my wife, and it's going to be a super soft birthday, so if you are familiar with the show Letterkenny, which you should be, which you can now get on DVD, I think, if you're in the United States. Soon. Soon. Totally worth checking out. It's on Crave. I'm not suggesting you BitTorrent it, but I'm suggesting that you watch it. But uh, let's talk with Tristan. Uh, what's been going on with you? I see you're no longer RoboCopped. Indeed, I have lost the brace. I've lost the crutches. I'm not exactly walking around like a normal human being, but I'm getting there. I've spent a lot of time over the last week trying to recover from my knee dislocation. Uh, I've been working with my employer to try to figure out how I can come back to work pretty soon, so I've been tied up with a lot of that stuff. Uh, most of my spare time is still kind of in the, the whole Blizzard thing, so I got to try out the PvP for uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands recently. That's been pretty fun, so I've been spending cool. a, a bit more time doing the video game thing, as always. And what about you, Alex? What have you been doing over the last week or so? Uh, I'm still settling in at my new apartment, so I'm just unpacking everything. And uh, went to I went to see the Kingsman movie, the second one. It was fun. Fun popcorn movie. Uh other than that, it's been mostly like, I've been at my apartment going, 
I'm going to go cook something and go, oh, wait, I don't have knives. I need to go get knives. <laughs> or, oh, I need something to, I need cooking spray because apparently I don't have any oil or anything. So the dollar store will have to do. It's, it's that sort of thing right now. My advice to anyone in that similar situation is as you go through your day-to-day and you find you don't have something, write it down on a list that you can keep somewhere so that the next time you move, you know exactly what you're going to need in that first little while. That's a really good idea. Well, the thing is, I think I had a lot of the things I needed, and they're probably buried somewhere in one of my other bins of boxes that I haven't opened yet. So uh, Next time you move, you can put one box of all those things you're going to need early on and just have that somewhere readily available. It's not going to help you now, but it'll help you later. Yeah, Alex uh, sure. actually had asked me and Blair, what did we need? We're like, light bulbs and garbage bags and twist ties. Now, luckily, I had all those. What I didn't have were things like, I had a singular knife to cut meat and everything. <laughs> I, I, I thought if I went as simple as possible and took as little as possible, I would do more dishes. And I, I have, but it's like, it's kind of annoying when I'm like, I'm going to go roast something. Oh, I don't have a roasting pan. Uh, oh, I don't have, I have a couple frying pans, and it's like, oh, I need a mixing bowl. Oh, wait, I don't have a mixing bowl. <laughs> the last time I saw a frying pan was Blair setting one on fire, and it sat outside on our balcony. She's giving me the finger right now. She's in the room as we record. I wish I saw that. That would have been awesome. It was kind of funny. Very literal. <laughs> just a frying pan of hot flaming grease. She takes it outside <laughs> and puts it outside, just kind of forgets about it. I melted a flipper. She did. She melted one of our uh, spatulas. And I'm sure you remember on Nerd News from a few weeks ago where Blair's like, there's a fire! And my response, there's a fire? I'm more concerned with taking care of the fire! (laughs) Which we still don't have a fire extinguisher. There's one on every level of the apartment building. Oh, well that's good. In the hallway. I swear I'm a good cook. Yeah, she doesn't try and murder us so much. I I love my wife. To go find it after that event. Yeah, now I'm kind of curious to know where it is. Oh, I guess in other personal news, I guess kind of a personal health update. Um, I meet with my specialists very, very soon, the next uh, two weeks. So the big, the big process, uh, the first really big steps are coming in the next little bit. Um, unfortunately, I've managed to fuck up my left foot. When they say, when your doctors tell you to don't pick something, don't pick something. Because now I have to have like a nurse come by and look at my foot every couple of days. It's kind of a pain in the ass. It means I'm not walking around as much as I should. So, uh, yeah, Mike Mike did dumb, and you can all make fun of me for that. Could, could, could one of the fans draw Mike with a dunce cap on, please? Yeah. <laughs> you get to I'm sit the, the biggest idiot ever. <laughs> it's true, and I don't even deny it. I did dumb. But hopefully I am getting better. The nurse says it looks less like death, and uh, I'm fairly happy for that. So thank you to everybody on Twitter and uh, other places that have been sending well wishes over the last little bit as I've been explaining what's been going on with me. But I guess let's kind of dive right into the first thing I want to talk about this week, and that's a review. And I want to talk about this. This is a game that came up for the Xbox One. It's called Cuphead. This is a game that was supposed to come out a while ago, but finally came out exclusively on Xbox One and PC Cuphead, don't deal with the devil. Uh, this is a uh, kind of it's it's an indie shooter. I'm just gonna get the name of the studio here, just because uh, I don't have it memorized. Sorry, guys. But it was put together by Studio MDHR Entertainment, and it looks like a 1930s cartoon, like that whole like Felix the Cat old style Mickey and Minnie Mouse sort of thing. And it is arguably one of the hardest shooters I've ever played in my life. 
It's like Contra if you had more hit points. Uh, you get hit three times and you're dead. It's not like Ikaruga where it's a bullet hell and you can change colors to avoid damage. No, here there are some power-ups, but um, they do help you through the various boss fights. But this game should take you... I've seen a speed run. I don't know, Alex, you and I watched this. They did a speed run of about just over an hour. Yeah, uh, it was like they were 45 good. minutes to an hour or so. Yeah, and these guys were good. Now, I'm not even going to pretend to tell you that I've beaten this game because I'm not that good. I tried, and I tried hard. Um, I got my ass kicked, uh, I think, on I think either the Tombstone boss or uh, it was one, or it was the... Um, you were kind of bad at everything. <laughs> and no, somehow you were I'm, worse. I'm <laughs> kidding. I didn't even play it. I don't even think I... No, I did play it. Yeah, you played it for a little bit. No, too. no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. You, you died... Uh, a lot in the first level at first when you're getting uh, used to the controls, used to the controls, and then you died. Wasn't the first boss? You died like the at the f- boxing one. Yeah, the boxing one kicked my ass till I got kind of used to it. You beat it, but you couldn't beat it on normal. You can only beat it on easy. Yeah, and the the game's hard. Now I have tried some of the um, later bosses. My favorite later boss fight is probably where you're fighting um, the mermaid. Because that's just a damn beautiful fight. It really is. Uh, The one fight I want to play, but I haven't played yet, is the King Dice fight. Because King Dice, I think, is just one of the coolest art designs I've seen in in a video game boss in quite some time. But do not fool yourself. If you buy Cuphead, you are buying this because you like brutal difficulty. And you love the art style. And it's a hard game to not recommend because it is really fun there are unlimited continues you're not penalized for dying and if you get hit you know it's your fault every almost every hit is is avoidable now i know the boss patterns do change randomly so sometimes you'll get a really easy boss fight other times you might get a really 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 difficult one but the game never feels totally unfair in my opinion so um, can I recommend Cuphead for the Xbox One and the PC? Absolutely. It's a great looking game. It's fast. It's fun. But it is unforgivingly difficult. And I really think it's worth your time. I mean, even if you only play the game for 10, 15 minutes to try it, I think you're going to find yourself going back more and more because you want to see what's, what does the next boss look like. There's one great fight later on. You fight uh, an actress on an old 1930s movie stage and you interact with the background. She becomes a ballerina. She takes off in a car. Um, A guy dresses up as like a wave and walks past you to hit you with quote-unquote water. It's ridiculous, and it's just an incredibly cool game. So I, I don't know much more I can say about Cuphead other than this game will make a gamer out of you for sure. Um, But just know that there are guys out there that can beat this in under an hour without taking a single hit. I hate those guys. I hate them so much because <laughs> they're so much better than me. The ultimate tryhards. Oh, my God. Uh, How- looking for a free preview of the game, go check it out on Twitch. It's yes. got quite a following for Twitch players, and there's so many people that are just watching these people play through and get frustrated by this amazing, gorgeous game. There was a guy. He did it on Twitch, too, no less. He beat Cuphead using a goddamn DDR pad. I hate Why? this kid. 
I hate this kid. I hate this kid. I hate this kid. I know there are a lot of people that play Overwatch with crazy peripherals. Like I've seen, what was it? They played it with a potato once. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've played a game of Street Fighter 4 against the Screw Attack guys using a guitar controller. He beat me with the guitar controllers. I suppose way. it's, it's uh, just to see if you can do it. Just because exactly. it's their situation. It's just, if you can do it, you're awesome. But otherwise, like I said, guys, go check out Cuphead. Totally worth it. And that comes to us from uh, Microsoft. So be sure to check that out. Uh, I guess uh, I do have another review from Wizards of the Coast, but we'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. I guess uh, let's start with Tristan. What is your first story? Well, I uh, there's been a new patent notice that came from Activision they were granted recently that kind of plays into the recent, well not so much recent trend I suppose, the ongoing trend of microtransactions being a driving force in the gaming community. In this case Activision has a matchmaking focused microtransaction system or rather a microtransaction based matchmaking system. Uh, Basically it's summed up by Influencing the matchmaking that you have in games in a way that makes you want to buy more microtransactions in-game. For example, if a player purchases a particular weapon in a shooter game they're playing, the microtransaction engine might match this player in a gameplay session in which the particular weapon is highly effective. This encourages the player to possibly make future purchases to achieve similar gameplay results. So... It's another method that they're trying to use to incentivize microtransactions. And I I don't really like the way this is going personally. Yeah, I'm not a big Uh, fan of this whole every single game now has microtransactions. Every game is now a game as a service. I like the idea of cosmetic rewards being in microtransactions, especially if the the way you can earn those cosmetic rewards is also possible to achieve in-game without investing money. If you can invest time and get the same results, even if it's at a slower rate than what you might value the money amount, I'm still okay with that. But when it directly affects gameplay, buying guns, buying upgrades to things, I played the Star Wars Battlefront 2 beta recently, and And it was... the DNA of the game. Yeah, the entire progression system. They've said they're going to do some rebalancing, but really the core of the, the progression system is based around these randomly generated and assigned star cards and everything else that'll help your players get stronger and that's random and based on microtransactions yes you can earn them in game very slowly but that just doesn't feel good and this is just another layer of potential incentivization of microtransactions to make the game feel good if i buy a gun i'm going to go on this crazy great streak for a while because the system is putting me into situations where i'm going to excel and then it's going to kind of bring that back a little bit. I'm going to find myself doing poorly again. And then I'm going to just go buy a new gun and yeah. start that system over again. And I think a lot of this really started with uh, Sledgehammer Games when they made Call of Duty uh, Advanced Warfare, which is sadly my favorite COD from the last few years. They had variants that you could get in uh, their version of Supply Drops. And the one gun for the longest time, the best gun in the game was a game called the Battle 27. There were, excuse me, there was a variant called the Bow 27 Obsidian Steed. Okay, Rick. <laughs> Morty. <laughs> oh, Morty, let me tell you about supply drops. Um, but yeah, it was uh, terrible in the fact that it was the same as the base gun, except it did more damage and it fired faster. So in an evenly matched firefight, the Obsidian Steed would always beat you, and they had to rebalance certain guns 
Because the variants are always, almost always stronger than the bases. Yeah, there were some variants that had like funny things, maybe that have like a grenade launcher or an attachment on them or something like that. But when guns become pay to win, it's bullshit. And COD is definitely uh, the worst offender for this. But now with it being built into the DNA of uh, Star Wars and with EA, or not EA's, with Activision's patent on this. I'm really afraid where this could go because when when I heard you talk about that, I immediately thought of Destiny. Yeah, and the producers and developers of Destiny have specifically gone on record to say that this matchmaking-based system is not in the Destiny titles. There's There's been backlash, of course, immediately, because generally speaking, microtransactions by gaming communities are not held in high regard. Yeah, I mean, the only... The only places I can think of where the where things are welcome and I use this term very 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 loosely Overwatch because it's all cosmetic League of Legends because they're just skins for your heroes and as far as I know that's really about it and maybe PUBG or maybe H1Z1 I think those are just cosmetic as well Cer- certainly ones are rare or Counter-Strike like, yeah there, there's a, another level of controversy there that we won't dive into now with the whole CSGO lotto the, the, and yeah, all the, that the gambling smart. aspect of everything but well supposedly the, they went to the UK government to say is this gambling and I'm not afraid to say yeah it kind of is because unless you're publishing those numbers as to what the possibility is for you to get something I know the Chinese government had to step in and say something to Activision if I'm not mistaken it's, it's not even that it's if you're buying something where you don't know what you're getting, it's gambling. Yeah. It's, period. You have paid money, and you're not told what you're getting till you've paid. Now, or if you're getting anything good, that's gambling. Now, could they say you're guaranteed one legendary item? Would that count? It would. No, because it's, it's tricky random. language. If you are buying something random, it's gambling. Yeah, and because kids have access to their parents' credit cards or they have access to PayPal, and I know last year there was the big to-do with T. Martin and the CSGO lotto and all the gambling problems that were there, which I think was eventually settled out of court. Um, well, here, here, the arguments that the studios are having, or sorry, the publishers are having, is they're saying, and the ESRB and all them, they're, they're saying that it's not gambling because you do get a product no matter what. But that's still gambling. It's not a game of skill. It's a game of chance. Yeah. It, that, that, that's like saying when you go to one of those claw machines, everybody's a winner, and at the end you get a sticker if you don't get something good. Well, you've now bought, let's say, $5 for something to get a $0.10 cent value. Well, no, you gave $5. You should be getting $5 of value regardless. So that's why it's it will be determined to be gambling. Until until they do, until the government says it's gambling, they'll say it's not because they can clean house. Exactly. It's a, a surefire way to get people to keep buying things because it's, it's so alike to gambling. It has that same addictive effect that gambling has on so many people, especially young, impressionable minds that don't have the necessary willpower to say, hey, maybe I should just limit myself to just one card pack or, or one new booster box today. Oh, yeah, because like on uh, Blair, my wife will fully admit I had a problem with supply drops when Call of Duty Advanced Warfare was that I was buying like 40 bucks a week. Are you serious? Oh, yeah, I spent a lot. It's easy to get addicted. All it takes is, hey, okay, I'll just I'll spend $10, I'll get 10 boxes or whatever, and then you get this 
one good streak. Yeah, exactly. And you are hooked completely. It, yep. is, it is insane. It doesn't make any sense. And looking back on it, it, it's crazy. And there were people making videos on YouTube where they would just do supply drop openings. T. Martin, once again, a big guy doing that. And I got hooked on it because I had a really good streak. Like, oh my god, I just got the Obsidian Steed. I got the armor that I want. My guy looks awesome. And I got all the guns I, I needed to. And I had all the really big variants in the game in, like, easily a two-week period. The closest I came was in, I think it was Mass Effect Andromeda. I, I bought some of the, whatever the, the boxes yeah. they had. Oh, the and Spectre packs? I, I bought one of them. When they had a deal and it was like a, you get a whole bunch of them for a certain amount of money. I bought it and went, this is shit. And I was not, I, I'm not somebody that could be hooked by that because I just saw it as my money is so precious. I have so little of it that yeah. I'd rather spend it on an entirely new game. When I had Mass Effect 3, I, at the time, I was able to get Microsoft points really easy through trading in games or just my various relationships. And I had an incredible armory that was built pay to win. I had the best gun. Like, if you go back and look at my Mass Effect 3 armory, you can't touch me. I've got all the best guns at max level. And it's like, shit, this armory's worth easily $1,000 or more. And there are people it's, selling accounts, too. And the thing is, and it doesn't really do anything for you. Like, yeah, it, it's it, hard to justify if you look at it objectively. Oh, yeah. It, doesn't it prolongs make you playing the game when you could have just taken that But they don't carry box. over year to year. I mean, that's a problem with, with COD. I mean, one of the big uh, Call, Call of Duty YouTubers, Drifter, said, for example, going back to the Call of Duty Advanced Warfare thing, your credits, your armory doesn't carry over year to year. So, yeah, I've got the Obsidian Steed this year, but then we went to Call of Duty Black Ops 3 the next year, and my, my guns don't carry over. So, basically, you completely wasted your time and money. Yeah, well, that could be said for anything. Because you look at FIFA, for example... Uh, to build your ultimate team. And I know there was a big uh, to-do this year with NBA 2K18. A no, lot that of was hilariously bad, though. Well, yeah, because they locked a lot of things behind microtransactions, like to Dude, buy tattoos and hair. Here's the thing. You pay for the $200 version of the game, and that's just a starting point. You then have to... You would, could easily spend two to three grand in that game to max it out. For, or even FIFA, for it's example. it's not even a very good game. Well, the none, game... of, none of those sports titles are because they're yearly titles. Nothing really changes. Yeah, they're just basic iterations. They just update the rosters and then maybe... Maybe a few game mechanics they Some tweak. quirk or some crazy hook for that year and that's it. Yeah. No innovation. I don't know. I, I don't review those sports titles. At the same time, where is the room for innovation in sports titles? They're based on strict sets of rules. You can't really yeah. build on that Unless that it's much. like Mutant League hockey or something. Yeah, you got to do something that's based around the sport, but is not the sport. As soon as you go official license, this is by the MLB. Well, it's just going to be baseball. Yeah. There's nothing you can do with that. It is what it is. little off track. Yeah. All right, Alex, what do you got, buddy? Uh, I've got a couple things. Now, did we talk about... Who dead? <laughs> I don't no. This week? Not yet. No, no this week. Yet. So bring us into the uh, I was going to say we should do it now because you don't want to end a show on that. No. It's like, oh, here, look at all these stories. And then who dead? <laughs> oh, and by the way. Um, so yeah, there's, there's probably been more than what we've noticed. But uh, uh, very quickly in, in music news, we had uh, uh, Gord Downey, the singer for, and I guess, the front man for the tragically front man, hip. lead songwriter, I guess, uh, wrote all the lyrics for the tragically hip, Canada's best band, no, most Americans have never heard of. 
Yeah, I actually saw a few people today on Facebook asking, well, who's this guy? And they say, well, if you're Canadian and Canadian radio with the whole CanCon thing, uh, Alex or Tristan, you would know this. Mm-hmm. 85% of our music has to be CanCon. So almost all, That's everything it. I hear is either Nickelback, Tragically Hip, or Rush. Anyway, um, here's the two, hip. Two I mean, of those back three to back actually, to back. Two of those three are actually good, and I'll let you guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the first two ain't on end with back. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. Gord Downey passed away from uh, brain cancer at the age of 53. A big uh, rights activist for Native With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Rights. Uh, he was definitely pushing for things. I think he was pushing for things to change, just pretty much for all indigenous people across Canada. So very big loss to my community in that regard. But also, people were posting today. I know one of my friends, Kitty, was posting how she couldn't listen to the song Wheat Kings without crying today. Um, I always The song I always knew the tragically hip for was New Orleans is Sinking. And that was long before yeah. the Hurricane Katrina stuff happened the, back in 2005. Yeah, they were one of those bands where, similar to, uh, uh, to Tom Petty dying, you... Until you actually look at their catalog, you're like, oh, crap, there's a lot of songs I know. Exactly. Like they, they've had, I don't, I can't count on the top of my head here how many albums they had, but since like 87 or 88, they had probably an album every two to three years, and every album generally had two to three hits. Yeah, and if you lived in Canada most of your life, it's been in the background for a lot of moments that you don't realize until you hear it again later on. Yeah, I mean, it's always been associated with baseball or hockey. Just other, it's just, it's just, it's always been there. Other Canadiana, like, and this actually can sort of tie in. Uh, they would show up in, uh, or he would show up in other movies or TV shows, generally not playing himself, playing somebody else. Uh, and in fact, he showed up in the Trailer Park Boys movie, playing uh, one of the police officers that pulls them over. Uh, that being said, one of the main actors in Trailer Park Boys passed away as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Leahy uh, and Jim uh, Dunsworth. John? John, Dun- John Dunsworth, sorry. Yeah. Uh, the main antagonist of the series, um, loved by many, uh, as basically the, the uh, drunken former police officer, trailer park supervisor, always trying to foil the boys. He's basically Gargamel. <laughs> really well, only really drunk. That's a fantastic oh, oh, analogy. He's, he's drunk. Gay, and Randy's the cat. He's, dr- he's drunk, gay trailer park Gargamel. <laughs> that's that's pretty much an entire description of who. And that actually, if you had asked him before, he probably would have answered that's that's the character. See, I'm now regretting when I was in college because they always used to have on pub nights, guaranteed at least once or twice every year at at a college in Ontario, anyway. Randy and Mr. Leahy would have a pub night. Guaranteed. I know we had one at Niagara College. I'm really regretting that I didn't go now. Well, I did in, what was it, February, March? It was right after I had my surgery. Um, they had, uh, it was Mr. Leahy and, and uh, Randy came and did a stand-up, you know, two-man show 
I didn't stay for the whole thing because I was getting really woozy because it was literally like a week after surgery. Uh, but I'm actually really glad I got to see them because mm-hmm. I don't know what this means for Trailer Park Boys because they just they, got renewed were, for two seasons. At least like they, that show can go on for, technically could have gone on forever. Now they'll probably work something in like other people have passed away on the show or left the show and they really don't talk about them or, or they just sort of move on. But this is a major character. Yeah, central outside, character. Outside of the three boys, he's the main character. Like, if you... Basically, you have the, the Trailer Park Boys, you know... It's like Transformers without Megatron. Yeah. yeah he's like, the main point of conflict he, of the he, show. He's Megatron, it. and then you've got Randy as, as Starscream. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, it would be like... Yeah, exactly. You've got... Uh, I'm trying to think who the boys would be. you got uh, Julian's Optimus Prime... Um, Probably like Bumblebee and Jazz or something. Yeah, Bumblebee and Ironhide or something. Yeah. That's ridiculous just to think that that show now has to radically change how it approaches. But maybe, obviously, the people that write that show are tremendously talented. Yeah. They'll figure a way to honor him in some capacity. They're going to have to. This is not one character they can ignore. It's like the entire show is based around, you know, we're, we're talking since 1999, the show and movies and everything have been based around him trying to foil them. You know what? It wouldn't surprise me if the series ends with Leahy's death and he bequeaths them the park. Well, it dep- He's it, like, it I hated I'm, you in life. I'm, I'm a season behind. I'm not sure where they are in the storyline goes. I could see them working around him. not being. I think it'll change the dynamic of how everybody acts in it. And he, here's the thing. He is probably the, one of the only people on the show that was a classically trained actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, like, he's know, done, like, movies and plays and Stratford everything. Stratford Festivals and all that stuff. He's been in, he was in uh, one of the supporting actors in Haven, that Stephen King TV show. Yeah. Uh, he would show up in tons of things. And basically anything Canadian that was filmed from Ontario to the East Coast. He never really went farther west because, especially in, in the height of his career, there was always a trailer park boys being filmed. So, it, it's... It shocked people um, because, you know, his character play was was a crazy, you know, adult drunk and all that. But in real life, obviously, he was just a normal guy. He didn't. He wasn't really overweight or anything, and he just drops dead. Mm-hmm. It's, Definitely a loss for Canadiana this past yeah, week. Yeah, some, somebody who even I think because of Netflix's far-reaching uh, influence, influence mm-hmm. worldwide, people will know this. Yeah. Um, to kind of transition out of that sadly depressing story, I actually have to talk about death yet again, though this time, thankfully, fictional death. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about, uh, and this is something that's kind of cool, Wizards of the Coast sent me um, a while back, back in September, a copy of The Tomb of Annihilation. And what it is, it's a new setting in the world of Faerun, which is what we've been playing on the Cambridge Chronicles. And it introduces uh, a place that's a jungle, and it's got dinosaurs, and it's got all sorts of mysteries. And I don't want to tell too much away from it, because it deals a lot with life and death. And it's designed for levels 1 to, one to 11, which you guys are level 5 or 6 now? Level 5. Level 5. So I may run you guys through this next year, providing you guys survive the next uh, couple of episodes. And what I really like about the Tomb of Annihilation is it looks into the afterlife because one of the big things of the tomb of annihilation is people that are resurrected are rotting away there's a lot of undead something is gathering souls 
some people are not going to their eternal reward and whatnot, and it's a big mystery, and if you don't play this right, it's not easy to have your characters resurrected. Like, for example, if Farron and Dargo go into the wrong encounter, you know, you guys could die, and it's just, usually it's just as simple as going to your local priest in, in the closest town saying, hey, can you raise my friends? They're dead. Oh, here's your $1,500. Thank you, and fuck off. No, here, you're dead. Give me your character sheet. Rip. <laughs> and that's, and the Tomb of Annihilation, from what I've been reading online, because we haven't run through it ourselves, has a reputation as the, the TPK, total party kill. And that's enticing. That sounds woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. also scary as a player. Exactly. Ripper of sheets. It's scary, because, yeah, because you guys have gotten... a. a Attached to your characters, we were talking about this a little bit uh, off air. Tristan, for example, your character of Farron is an adoptive character because it was pre generated for me by yeah. uh, someone with a lot more experience. I just said I wanted a certain type of character, it was made for me while I wasn't even around, and then I came into that role. And now I've become a lot closer to that character, I've kind of become that character while I'm in the middle of the game, and that's yeah. what it's supposed to be. But now I feel like there's something to lose if something goes wrong. I mean, running you through the Tomb of Annihilation, it would be really cool because there's new animals on the island. For example, as a druid, if you see it, you can become it. There's dinosaurs! <laughs> you can become like a raptor or a... That might like be a, above our, our level. <laughs> actually, no, he could become a raptor. Challenge reading, because raptors are only as big as chickens. But, oh, okay, yeah. But there's another one called a Dionychus, which is probably what you're thinking of the movie raptor. That's only a challenge rating four. Oh, so okay. that's, you that's get, still high level, but but yeah, you guys can start. That's you, a couple levels away. But yeah, you guys can start getting dinosaurs if if I run you through it. And there's they t- there's new levels there. There actually was um, all the proceeds went to charity for this, but it was a third party put together something that's meant to work with the tomb of, tomb of annihilation. It was a supplement for turtle people. So if you wanted to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, literally the race is called Toidles, you could do that. And I may introduce a Toidle Hermit at some point in our game, because I think it'd be kind of fun. But yeah, I mean, Tomb of Annihilation, it's incredibly cool, like I said, meant for levels 1 to 11. There actually is even a set of Tomb of Annihilation dice, which are these cool, slimy, translucent green, which I think are really cool. I'm actually using those in our Cambridge Chronicles game right now, because they roll really well. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's definitely got me looking into other aspects of the D&D world, especially when it comes, like I said, life and death, and, uh, the big bad for this game is kind of neat, so maybe next year, or next season on the Cambridge Chronicles, we'll check out the Tomb of, Tomb, Tomb of Annihilation, you can pick it up, I think, at your local retailers, retail is about 30 bucks, I want to say, give or take, and it's completely worth your time to pick up. I've got this vision now of creating this gauntlet of Tomb of Annihilation for level one, and whoever survives gets to move on to the actual campaign. Pretty, actually, that's probably not a bad, a bad way to do it, because we'll say, are you smart enough to make it through? Because the jungles of, I think it's Kull, I think I want to say that's the name of it, I'm not 100% sure, uh, they, they are not forgiving. <laughs> so if you can survive this, you can pretty much survive anything. Outside of the Tomb of Horrors, what's the less we say about that, the better, because that's a meat grinder, man. Gary Gygax, I hate you. Tomb of Horrors. I hate you so much. 
But you love him. But I love him oh, so certainly. much for this hobby. Uh, what are we else we got coming up for stories this week? Anything else, guys? Uh, you mentioned charities. Uh, Humble Bundle just got... Yes. Uh, not purchased, but they, they've joined forces with IGN. I can see this only being a good thing just because IGN has such corporate weight and goodwill behind it. Yes. Um, they've, they've both said that things really aren't going to change. IGN has said that they're going to focus on their integrity, and their editorial integrity is very first and foremost in mind, so it's not going to change anything on their end. The reviews will still remain objective. Nothing wrong there. Humble Bundle said they're still going to operate independently. This just gives them a lot more resources, anyway, a lot yeah. more ability to, to provide products and, and good offers and good deals and the ability to generate more profits for charity. Yeah, I mean, because, like, I've been a Humble Bundle subscriber since, like, last year. Um, I actually just bought a Humble Bundle for the Pathfinder RPG, which pretty much gives you every book you'd need to run a game and beyond for, like, 30 bucks. I actually saw that bundle. I just took a look through the Humble Bundle website for the first time, believe it or not, um, as I've discovered this this little story happening, and I have been missing out so much. Oh, my God. It's such a good value for 12 bucks a month if you're a monthly subscription, or if you just buy their various game sales, you can choose where it goes. Like, I usually support uh, Toronto Sick Kids Hospital. That's my charity of choice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I see the, uh, the IGN merger being a good thing. I know some people over at IGN and I completely trust them. So, um, I'm, ho- I'm hoping this will help out more charities as it goes down the road and definitely gives more resources to Humble Bundle to give them access maybe to maybe betas we've never had before. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe games that IGN says, Hey, this is great. Can we get this in the bundle? So we'll just have to wait and see. I'm guessing Blair's asleep. She is very snoring. much so. You are you certainly were for a minute there. Yeah, you are 100% full of shit. <laughs> we have the audio evidence. That's why we got <laughs> quiet. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm trying to think of what else there really is to kind of talk about this week. Now, actually, originally we were going to have Mike Blanchard on the show, but uh, unfortunately, due to the time zone difference. He uh, could not make it, so he presumably next week. Next week, yeah, that's the idea. So I've got a couple quick things. Okay, all right, fire through them. All right, so uh, number one, I uh, wanted to go into de- nah, a little bit of detail about how uh, Netflix, when they, with Netflix taking shows that were on TV, let's say, let's say a show aired season one on normal broadcast TV during the fall and winter. Netflix is now picking up the rights to stream them over the summer. Like a whole, they'll do the whole batch. So basically, what they used to do back in the '90s, when you'd have a summer burn-off of all, you know, it would be reruns of everything that aired during the year. Yeah. People don't really pay attention to that anymore. But Netflix gives you the option to binge watch everything all at once. Yeah. Well, in the case mm-hmm. of Riverdale, uh, having people binge watch Riverdale in the states over the summer, uh, going into season two, the premiere episode, they raised their ratings by four hundred percent. Jesus. Holy crap. So, yeah. <laughs> that, not, 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 not like, you know, this isn't even like 40% more or double. This is four times the ratings. Like four times the viewers watched it. Is it an, is it an increase of 400%? Because that's five times. It's a, it's a, it's, sorry, it's an increase of 400%. Yes. So for that's every five. person that watched season one, five people are watching season two because of Netflix. That's Correct. nuts. Uh, from, from season premiere to season premiere, but just average overall, even including the finale. And Riverdale's become sort of a cultural thing now, because in Toronto, 
uh, last week. They had this pop-up diner experience where you, where you could go to Pop's Chocolate Shop. Well, in Canada, and I believe the rest of the world outside of the States, it airs as a Netflix exclusive, so it airs the day later after it airs in the States. In the States, it's the CW broadcast, so you can pick it up with bunny ears if you still have those. Oh, my God. Uh, and then uh, I guess they have their own streaming service that uses it as well, and they, there are some metrics behind that that we can get into that it's not worth it. Just know that the premiere was up, and they attribute it 100% to Netflix itself in the States, people being able to binge watch it. Because these ratings aren't taking into account the rest of the world. It's just in the States. So huh. that, that makes advertisers happy. That is proof and point that uh, Netflix doesn't have to kill broadcast TV or, or, or people like... It can work in conjunction they with They can it. work together. Exactly. Like you can get... They'll still get their ad revenue from being live, live broadcast now. They'll get way more ad revenue now. Especially if, let's say, the next episode keeps that track up. Or even mm. if it loses, let's say, 50%. If it loses 50%, it's still two and a half times yeah, the viewership. That is still a huge so that, jump up. That not only helps the chances of a, of a season three, but it can also help with production costs and and, and just in general. Well, yeah, because Riverdale already has a spinoff coming with Sabrina the Teenage Witch in 2018. Yeah, so uh, that that's just probably the, the most prominent story to come out of, of that whole dynamic that people have with Netflix. I know it's happened before other times, but just not that dramatic. Like a show that where people were rocky as to whether or not it was even going to maintain the viewers of the first season, because usually shows lose viewers. Mm-hmm. The exception being Game of Thrones, which seems to every season get more and more and more and more. Right, like I, I guarantee you, the last episode will have more episode or more viewers than anything. It'll probably blow in, 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 in the history of HBO. Period. It'll beat it'll it'll beat the HBO ratings of like 19 million that they got for Sopranos. The Sopranos finale, um, and that was in the that was in the age where less than half the people that would pirate TV pirate TV. Yeah. So And more people were watching TV in general. So I, I, I fully predict it'll do 20 million. That being said, that Game of Thrones had always been the exception. Well, now we've got a sh- another show that's aimed at the teen audience, which is pretty lucrative. People, you know, that's the audience they're looking for. And we're getting four to five times the, the viewers. Yeah, so, that, that really proves that Netflix does have a power to... Especially with that demographic, that generation. Yeah. It's, the, it's... The, the group that, they're, that they want to watch it are binge-watching shows. And now they've hooked people to actually come back every week and watch. So I thought that was neat. Um, got one little story here, which is just uh, more of a personal thing. I have been looking for a second controller for my PS4, and they are expensive. Sony doesn't seem to license them out to anybody. Uh, so you because of the Bluetooth. So, so in Canada, it's seventy nine dollars for one controller, uh, and then there were like there were some cheap, junky third party Chinese controllers that just apparently fell apart, that, and they're still in the forty to fifty dollar range. Or you have to go in to get like a Hori uh, Pro controller that's like one hundred fifty bucks. Well, it looks like today, um, PlayStation and Sony, like the, the U.S. blog, officially posted that there's going to be. An official wired controller. They're aiming it towards children, I guess, for like knack things where kids are more likely to drop their controller or throw in frustration. <laughs> uh, but it's it, think of the shape sticky. of a Super Nintendo controller, almost, but not quite the exact shape because they're not going to get sued. <laughs> but <laughs> it's that sort of shape, uh, maybe like the the Wii. Was it was it the Pro Controller, the Wii Classic Controller? Oh yeah, the Wii Classic Controller. Yeah, very very um, similar. They, they showed off a blue one. It has all the buttons you need. It doesn't have the trackpad. It doesn't have the audio return, with, like the headset. It doesn't have the speaker built in, and it doesn't have any rumble features, as far as I can tell. It's just a basic second controller that you can have 
which would be perfect for me if you have friends that want to come in and play a co-op game. They don't need to have Rumble. And if they want to have Rumble, they can pay for an $80 controller. <laughs> bring uh, it with you. Bring your But it's going to retail for about 39 Canadian, I think 29 American. Uh, and it'll be nice because that means if it's got their official seal of approval on it, it's not going to fall apart in your hands. So that I thought that's seal neat, of quality. Because if you look, if you look at the Xbox, there's tons of, of alternative controllers you can mm-hmm. get for it. If you look at, the, there's more. The Switch has been out less than a year, and I can count five different companies that have controllers out for them that are officially licensed. That work just fine. That some have Rumble, some don't, uh, but. And they're all in the thirty to forty dollar price range. So yeah, sometimes some... Sony decided that they need to have a kids controller too. Yeah. Some of my uh, my nephews every year I get them some third party controller for a Christmas present. And they love it and it works fine. Yeah. This one looks like it'll have the Sony. It's not Sony producing it, but it'll have the Sony symbol and branding and everything on it. So you know, there's so at least some guarantee of quality. It's probably Hori or somebody in the background will be producing it over. The... My guess is probably PDP if I had to guess. But... Well, you know, it, it's. Like it's being, it looks like it's being partnered in, in Japan, so it's going to be produced there, and then they'll rebrand it here with whatever. So it's probably going to show up under a couple different names. Uh, and then I guess my final little story here, because we're condensing it all together, was uh, just something I found on Ars Technica. Uh, it says a judge shocked to learn uh, NYPD's evidence database has no backup. There's no redundancy. So that is terrifying. Basically, yeah. the, the caption says all data would be lost. If their uh, if their database two server went down or data corrupted, so it, it could literally be a power surge that isn't protected, or or a sector on the hard drive fails, or some asshole and, with, with a cup of and coffee. We're talking, and that is the largest police force in North America, like a police force the size of some small cities. Think about the, the crime database they'd have, and it, it's just in this day and age of of cybersecurity and issues. And considering mm-hmm. how cheap backup is. Yes, like like you would think that they would have had this in place. There's a big article relating to it, talking about it, but what, like this, in releasing this information, it almost makes me scared for what some nefarious groups might do. Yeah, I feel like it would be very, very vulnerable and extremely easy just to erase I, so much incriminating evidence and histories, and, and what would be lost with all of that, like, well, it could be everything. Well, how many cases would, would have to be thrown Yeah, out? how many people would just walk, walk free because there's nothing left? Yep, sorry, what happened? Oh, some hacker wiped out the database. I guess you're going home tonight. So it just makes me think. I almost think that they released this information, and they're talking about this in the public forum, because it will force their hand to spend money. Because if they don't, they'll say, oh, we'll just wait. No, they, they kind of have to put it out there now so that... So you walk your ass to so Best Buy. So that the city just has to go, well, no, it'll, it'll be a little different. But the fact that there's not even a tape backup, there's not ever... Usually, these big companies, even police, for years, even 30 years, they would have used the same thing. They would have used some form of a magnetic tape backup or, or a digital tape backup because it's fairly cheap. It, it's You store it in a climate-controlled condition, and... It's easily used. You can you can fit petabytes of data on these tape drives now, and in the scheme of things, it's relatively inexpensive when you consider what it's for. Yeah, there's a high value on that information. So, like we're talking, you're, you're talking potential millions upon billions of dollars of, of, or not just that, people that are dangerous getting to walk, or potentially people that are put away that need that evidence to prove that they're innocent. Exactly. You know, wrongfully I mean, accused. 
So hopefully uh, the New York Police Department gets a handle on that shit fast. <laughs> Very pressing need for that. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Just something out of the realm of just the normal uh, geeky stuff we talk about, but still in the realm of, holy shit, technology. I'm a little, uh, I'm a little scared now. I'm thoroughly, thoroughly startled. Uh, I want to wrap things up, kind of bring things back into the nerdy world. Uh, the first couple of reviews for Super Mario Odyssey were... Well, one was leaked and the other was official. Uh, Edge Magazine has given Super Mario Odyssey a 10 out of 10. Uh, the remainder of reviews will be lifted from embargo on October 26th. You can look forward to those coming up pretty soon. And Famitsu, who is notorious for being pretty pretty scrutinizing of a lot of games, has given it a 39 out of 40, which only 45 games in the history of Famitsu have ever achieved. So we're looking at a pretty top-tier title coming to the Nintendo, Nintendo Switch very soon. I'm not soon. even surprised. It, it, I mean, it's their main Mario title, so you know they're not going to pull any punches here, but it's... It's a control of dinosaur. And it's been <laughs> in development for who knows how long. Well... The only thing Anything is, Nintendo does for very rarely do you get a bad Nintendo first party title. Exactly, and, and looking at it, you know, my my eye turns to, you know, the Nintendo of America censors. Did they censor it? The only thing I can see them censoring in this, or that they probably changed from from uh, the Japanese release, is it talks about uh, capturing when you when you uh, throw your hat on the the enemies and control them. And I guess they're using that terminology because of Pokemon, and it just sounds more friendly because parents are used to hearing Pokemon. But it's a ghost hat you're, you're possessing. <laughs> so it looks like the only piece of the, that might be different from the Japanese release would be the word of possession. Because it's clearly that you're a ghost possessing something. They'll so, figure out some way around but, it. But that being said, that would be the only complaint I could see of why they might have had to change anything here. And it, it looks amazing. I mean, you get to play a dinosaur. Yeah, it just looks fun. I just fun want to play it as a bullet bill. There, there's an iguana that you can glide across the... Cross things, you can yeah. You get to bullet bill a caterpillar. Um, it could be anything, pretty much. Pretty much, I, it's, a, it's a kind of environments where you just want to go exploring as well, even after you've and pretty much found everything. That too, oh yeah, oh yeah. When around. it comes out, goodbye nerd news. I'm 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 gonna be playing that <laughs> for quite some time. Taking a Super Mario Odyssey break. <laughs> so Alex will probably have a review of that when he gets a hold oh, of the copy. Oh hell's to the yeah. I'll probably have some thoughts on it. I'll bring it by. All right. So any other stories we want to talk about this week? I think um, I'm tapped out. No. All right, then. So, like I said, big thanks to everybody who's been sticking with us this past month. Uh, Nerd News back on a regular schedule. So, like I said, we'll have Mike Blanchard join us uh, next week. I think he's got something to talk about. I'm not 100% sure about that. But he's definitely enjoying his time in Chicago as I'm pretty sure he lives there now. He's got the <laughs> cyber plague. That's what he's got. Oh, yeah. He has, like, the death <laughs> flu or something. So, hopefully, Mike feels a little bit better. To him and uh, Karen, his uh, lady, his I, lady B. I told him not to have sex with all those monkeys when he was at the zoo, but he's it's like, no, I gotta reason. have sex with all those monkeys, all of them. It's Chicago tradition. <laughs> Ch- Chicago, Chicago tradition. I have nothing to do with this Blanchard. <laughs> anyway, so for Nerd News Network, we have been Mr. Christopher, Alex. I've been your host, Mike the Birdman Dodson. Live free or die hard. We'll catch you guys again next week right here on ThisWeekInGeek.net's Nerd News Network.
talk about the pony cum jars now? No. I want to... Now that we're after the, the closer, oh, go nuts! Yeah. Oh yeah, it'll be in it. <laughs> the producer. Crap. Uh, suck my dick.